0: Welcome to uh, Hope Church this morning. Happy Christmas, everyone. We all full of the Christmas joys. We are a multicultural church. We've got South Africans. Can we get our cheer again from the South Africans? Come on. I loved hearing that. That was brilliant. Nigeria. Can we get a cheer from Nigeria? or uh, No, Africa. Am I, I'm, quite, I'm, yeah, I'm getting it wrong. Right. Africa. Can we get a cheer from Africa? Come on. Come on. Um, listen, although South Africa is kind of Africa, is, is Africa, isn't it? England, if you're England, oh, whoa, whoa, we're really getting a cheer there. Um, you, you know, there's different, different, what? Poland, all, right, all right, I'm going to have to go through the whole list now. Poland, can we get a cheer from Poland this morning? I know we've got some Polish people in. Come on, Paul, give us a cheer. Paul? <laughs> Where else? We've got Asia. Asia's represented. Can we get a cheer from Asia? Come on! <laughs> it is India, isn't it? It's not. Or is it Pakistan? Pakistan. Sorry, Aslam. Apologies. But Asia, anyway. I got it right with Asia. And we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? Uh, different cultures. I don't know. In fact, we've, we've. Yeah. Anyway, we could. We could literally go on and on and on. Different cultures represented. How is Christmas represented in your culture? how is Christmas represented in your family? I don't know about you, our family, Christmas in our family, what are the key things? For us, lights outside the house. Lights outside the house. I know Vicky's already mentioned this on a few occasions. She's tried to shame me because I won't get up a ladder and put lights all up the front of the house and make it look like Santa's Flipping grotto. It's not going to happen, I'm afraid. I'm not really interested in stuff like that. Uh, presents. That anyone, presents must be important to, to most of you. Yeah, big thing. I remember when I was a kid, presents was huge. It was all about the presents. As a kid, it's all about the presents, isn't it? You know, that's the big, big thing about Christmas. What are you going to get? I mean, for us, it was like Meccano and stuff like that. Anyone remember Meccano? My brother getting um, the kind of Transformers and stuff like that. I remember getting a spaceship, like a Battlestar Galactica spaceship. I'm showing my age now. And all those different things. And then visiting people. Visiting people. Anyone do visits over Christmas? We always, on Christmas Day, we always used to go and visit my great auntie Alice. That was every single Christmas Day. I was trying to think, did did we ever visit her other than Christmas Day? I think we did but Christmas Day was a big one. If I'm honest, in our family, one of the big things that in Christmas, and actually this is a UK thing. This is certainly big in the UK. And I'm not so sure about other cultures. The television. Christmas telly. Come on, Christmas telly. I, su- I caught a glimpse of something last night, and there was, uh, it was all about Ernie, uh, Ernie and Wise, Morecambe and Wise, that was, uh, that was on, and how big that was. Apparently, they got the biggest ever viewing figures for Christmas, something like 27, 28 people. which at that point in the mid-80s or le- early 80s, was half of the population was sat in front of the telly, Watching Morecambe and Wise. Now, I feel like I, I, as Vicky has kind of shared about me and she's let some stuff out about me, I, I need to, to let out some, some issues I have over watching the telly in our house. I don't know whether I'm the only one, maybe we're the only family like this, but we have a problem in our house watching the telly. And the problem I have to say is, see we have a kind of, there's three guys in our house and there's four ladies or, or a lady and three girls. So we're kind of outnumbered on the guy side of things, okay? Only just, but we are slightly outnumbered. The problem that we have on the guy side of things when we're watching telly is, I have, and, and believe me, I have tried, right? I have really tried with this. But try as I might, the women in our house don't get telly. They don't understand it. They don't get the concept of it. They don't know how to use it properly. Anyone know what I'm on about? Anyone else have this in their house? The women don't understand in our house how to watch telly properly. So we'll be watching the telly, right? And they'll do stuff like talk in the middle of it. Anyone get that? There'll be an important bit. We get the whole questions, right? The telly's just started. A film's just started. You've got the opening scene, right? And literally, it's only just started, the film. I've never seen it before. No one else has ever been seen, seen it before. And what's the first question you get in the opening scene? What, what's that all about? I'm watching it like you. I don't know what it's about. I've not been sent the script, and I don't know why this is happening. So we, we went down the whole route. Anyone got Sky? We went down the whole route of Sky. So, so the great thing about Sky is you can rewind it, can't you? So I thought, that's it. We'll rewind it. That will relieve the tension. I tried explaining that the talking's for the adverts. That's what they're for. You know, wait till the adverts are on, and then talking that bit. And then when it's finished, but I've tried it. It doesn't really work. So then we went for Sky, right? So you can rewind it. So you watch a bit, and they talk over the important bit, and you're like, what happened then? So then you rewind it, right? Anyone done this? You rewind it, and they're talking. exactly, Dave. They do exactly the same thing. But a third go, you're like, what is going on? Seriously, the women, honestly, they have not got a clue. And my wife, the biggest issue I have with my wife over telly, Right? See, for me, if I put a film on, I kind of get engrossed in it. So I I watch it, you know what I mean? I watch it to the end. My wife, right, she wants to have a telly in the bedroom. She wants to then put a film on. And for her, putting a film on in the bedroom is to fall asleep to. (laughs) Yeah, it's to fall asleep to. Not for me. So she puts a film on at like midnight. And I'm there till half one in the morning watching this film that I can't switch off. And I'm like... The amount of... She hasn't got a clue the amount of times I've been over the... No, no, no. no. (laughs) But what is... You know, these things become important, don't they? There's no doubt about it. All joking aside... These are important things about Christmas. This is what most people, the Christmas revolves around. We don't all sit around. Anyone do this, sit around singing hymns and reading the Bible all day on Christmas Day? That doesn't really happen, does it? If we're honest, most of us will, will kind of maybe have the meal and the food and all of that stuff, and then we'll stick the telly on and we'll watch the telly and we'll do all of those things. But genuinely, what is important about Christmas? What is it really about? What is the significance of it? What is the the benefit of it, the the, the message of it, what it's all about? Listen, I I could probably spend weeks going over this. We've spent some weeks talking about Christmas and what Christmas is about. But literally, as we get to the day before it, and we've just done some birthday celebrations, and Christmas ultimately is about celebrating the birth of Christ. That's what it's about. As much as it's lots of other people's birthdays, and happy birthday again, by the way, to all our friends in here who've just had a birthday, um, Christmas is ultimately about the day that Christ was born. That's what it's about. Now, the thing about it is, right, that for us, kind of telly might be important, and this and that and the other, and for us, appearance is important, isn't it? How things look. Where events take place. If you're a football fan, it's it's really significant about your stadium and how big it is and how impressive it looks. and, And lots of these different things can be important. But really, when you read the Christmas story, these things weren't really too important to God. The place where it all happened wasn't a significant place. It didn't happen in the capital. It didn't happen in the center of the universe. It happened in a small town. The people that were chosen... To, to, to be the, 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 the significant people in the story, apart from Jesus himself, but even Jesus himself, you could argue this about, they in seemingly were not important. Mary wasn't significant, she wasn't a queen, she wasn't a princess, she wasn't someone that was well known. Joseph was a carpenter, he wasn't a king, he wasn't someone who was significant in his day. No one knew of him, apart from the people in his region and around his area. Even Jesus, even when he came, he didn't come as a king with a crown on his head or anything like that. He came as the most insignificant thing of all, a baby. A baby, completely vulnerable, completely and utterly vulnerable. And the story goes on. It is insignificant all the way through. Even when the angels came and appeared, who was it to? It wasn't to princes and kings or anything like that. It wasn't to the great and the good. It was to the least. It was to the shepherds. Literally, the birth was announced to a group of shepherds. It could have been some shop workers. It would be the equivalent of them turning up at Tesco on a a Christmas Eve as they're packing the shelves and getting it ready and, and sorting it out. Or maybe some midwives at a hospital, maybe turning up there or whatever. These were people that really weren't that significant in the grand scheme of things. The things that are important to us were seemingly less important to God, although they were significant. Because these were normal people. I don't know about you, but I'm just a normal person. I'm not a king. I'm not a prince. I don't have a a great lineage behind me or anything like that. I'm just a normal guy going through life, figuring out what's important and what life is about. And what is my significance in life? Anyone know what I'm on about? What is my role in life? What am I meant to do? And you know, this morning I want to share what I believe God has revealed to me. That is just key, the most important thing. Above all else, what is more important than anything? You see, the th- reality of it is, right? You can have the Christmas you want. You can go and get a credit card out and you can spend a fortune. You may have already done this on presents. You may have, have got the grand turkey and all the trimmings. Your decorations might look as good as it does in here with all the boxes hanging and everything like that. It might be stunning in your house. You may be going and you may be having the best relatives around and you may have gone to all the trimmings to make them feel impressed. And although I have to say we've got some relatives coming up, Mark and S- they're not in they are they? And 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 so they don't drink, which is fine, and no problem with that at all. And they asked my wife to go and get them a bottle of non-alcoholic gin. And so Vicky texts me, she says, "I've got to get this non-alcoholic gin." So I "All right, okay, that's fine. Yeah, go and get it. A- how much is it? Twenty-four pound. No, 26? twenty-six. Twenty-six pound for non-alcoholic gin. Is that not a bit bizarre? Anyway." So we've gone to all the expense and you name it to count. Although they're paying for the gym, by the way, when they're not pay, I'm not paying 26 quid for non-alcoholic gin. That's not happening. <laughs> but what is important about the Christmas story? You see, for me, what's really important about the Christmas story is the visiting. If you think about the story, all the way through. At every single event, at everything that happened, there was a visitation. There was a visitation with Mary when she was first announced that she was going to become pregnant with, with the King of Kings, God himself. There was the visitation of the Holy Spirit that caused that birth to happen. There was the visitation to Joseph when he was told and that, that actually this, this child that Mary has is of God. There was the visitation to the to the wise men to or sorry the visitation of the wise men who who, who had studied and realized and had traveled for years to go and seek out the king and to visit him. There was the visitation of Herod, who turned out to be evil and had his evil plan. There was the visitation to the shepherds. To tell them about what was going on. And then when the shepherds themselves then went and did the visitation to Mary and Joseph and the newborn king to give their worship and to give their praises. But you know, each visitation, it wasn't just a visitation, there was something special about it. Because every single one of those visitations was for a reason, and they were all for a revelation they were all about revelation they were all about revealing something revealing something that wasn't known at that time to those people revealing something that they may have known about mary and joseph and the and the, the shepherds and herod and all of those people they would have known that the bible prophesied that a king was coming they would have known that he was going to be born to a virgin they would have known where he was going to be born but it wasn't at the forefront Of their minds. It wasn't in the focus of their minds, and they certainly didn't know the timing of it. You see, what was important was the visitation, the timing. Why didn't it happen 2,000 years later? Why didn't it happen 2,000 years earlier? But God's timing was perfect. He knew. He knew when the timing was. He knew that event, that moment in history that was significant that day and I don't know about you if you're a a Christian in this place my personal testimony about Christmas although this didn't happen at Christmas but really Christmas is all about beginnings it's all about birth it's not about getting wrapped up in the story because the ultimate story of Christ and why he came wasn't to be a baby It wasn't just to be born of a virgin. It wasn't just to be the king as a baby. It was to reveal something to us and it was to do something that was significant. It was about his life and his mission. It was about his significance, why he came, what his mission on this earth was. What's your mission? Why are you here? Why are you here for this time? What's the significance about your life? Why has God got you here? What is it that he demands of you? What is it that he wants of you? What is your life? You see, Jesus, his life, first and foremost, was to reveal God. It was to reveal God. It was to reveal God and who he was. His personality His thoughts, his kindness, his healing, his miracles, who he is. The Bible tells us that God became man and dwelt amongst us. Just think about that for a moment. God himself, God himself laid everything aside to come and dwell amongst man as one of us. To reveal to us who he really is and what he's really about, what he's like, what his message to the world is. And really, ultimately, to reveal to us who we are. And what our life is about. Why we're here. What is the significance of it? Why are we here? What is it that God wants us to do? You see, for me, the significance for me when I first met God, if you like, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. But there was a day. There was a point. There was a moment in my life when God came in. And it was significant. It it it, literally, I was talking to someone this morning, and I was telling them, sharing with them, I was saying that that moment when God first revealed Himself to me transformed my life like nothing else. I, I I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It wouldn't have mattered, it still wouldn't matter if God never did another single thing. Nothing in my life. If I went through the rest of my life and saw no evidence, no acknowledgement, no words from God, no messages from him, nothing at all. That one moment, that one moment when God revealed himself to me transformed my life forever, forever. You see, when God comes, everything else changes. Everything else changes. His presence, his revelation is truly, truly significant. And I would say to you this morning, I know there's, there's many of you that could shout amen and say, yeah, I've had that moment. I know what you're on about. I've had that significant moment. when, if, It may be more than one moment. That I've, I'm talking like that's just one moment. The thing is, that one moment was so significant, but I've had so many others since. There's not just been one moment in my life. These are continual things. He's not always there right in my face but he's always there. He's always there. Sometimes he's more prominent. Sometimes he's speaking to me. Sometimes I know his Sometimes he's present. Sometimes it's tangible. Sometimes his words, the things that he says to me are so meaningful. They're so important. They literally break the yoke in my life. They break situations, shatter them into pieces and transform things. Literally, his word has the power to do that in my life. And I've seen it. I've seen it. And if you haven't, if you've never experienced that, the first thing, the most important thing I would say to you is, seek him. Seek him. If you're sat here this morning and that's not your experience and you don't know that. And listen, don't think your experience has to be exactly the same as mine. You may say to me, Barry, listen, I've experienced God, but it was slightly different than you did. It It may not have been exactly the same way or whatever. That's absolutely fine. Everyone's experience it can be different. I'm not trying to say there's many different gods here, by the way. I believe in one true God. I believe in one true God. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe there is only one God. I don't believe God needs to be more than one God. Why would he? It doesn't even make sense, does it? So I believe in one God. And I don't believe he has many different faces either. There's only one religion. There's only one faith that says that God Himself, God Himself came and dwelt amongst us, Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know one of the worst things of all? The, I, I, I've kind of I, I live a life that is, if anything, it, I seek time alone there's so many people in the house and to get time alone is is kind of is valuable to me I, I crave getting time alone but I, I I've thought and I've thought you know and I've experienced times of loneliness in my life not many but I have experienced it and loneliness is a terrible terrible thing but could you imagine if we were all alone could you imagine if mankind was all alone and that was it there was nothing else I mean, to most people, that's their their belief, that's their religion, that's what they believe in. Their greatest hope is that there might be some green man out there in a spaceship who's on his way. We were talking in the press the other day about some cigar-shaped object that they're thinking could be a spaceship. I'm thinking, really? Really? That's That's your hope? That's your belief? Bibles with you. Let me share with you what's the most important thing at Christmas. Paul says this isn't one of your traditional Christmas verses, but Christ didn't come just to be a baby. 1 Corinthians 5 verses 9 to 11. Paul's talking about uh, uh, the body and whether we're here or whether we're somewhere else. And, and in verse 9, he, he says this: He says, Our goal is to please him. Our goal is to please him. He says, For me, we must all start. You see, that that on its own, let's just stop there for a minute. You see, because that on its own could sound like an odd thing. That could sound straight. Well, well, that's it, our life is to please God. What kind of, I've I've, I've heard this, what kind of a God is he? that He just wants us all to please him. But when you listen to the rest, to me, it makes perfect sense. He says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We don't think it's odd, do we, when there's a a man-made judge who judges someone. We don't think that's a strange thing. When, when someone commits a crime and they're sent to trial. I promise you, if someone broke into your house and stole your goods, you wouldn't be disappointed if the police arrested that person and that person went to trial. If someone uh, abused or killed a, a, a loved one or you, you wouldn't be disappointed tri- if that person went and stood trial and, and justice was served. None of us would find that odd. There's probably not a person in here who's never been stolen from at some point. We've all had, be, had been, a, you know, had, had theft at some point in our lives. In that moment, you want justice, don't you? You just want your goods back. You want that, that person to realise wrong. You don't do that. But Paul says, "We we must all stand before Christ to be judged, and we will each receive whatever we deserve." For the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. He goes on to. Who is that? (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. (laughs) Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. You know, in this church... We preach the love of God. The most important thing is the love of God. God loves us. He came to to be with us, to show his love. The Bible says God is love. But he's not only love. The Bible says he's a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of truth. He's a God of holiness. I could go on and on and on and on. Love is the thing that wraps it all up. Love is the thing that keeps all of those things in place, in right relationship. But don't forget, he is a God of justice. If I stood here this morning and said to you, he's only a God of love, you can just go and live any life you want. I will be judged. I will be judged. He is a God of justice. And one day we will all stand before him. And the fear of the Lord is literally the beginning of wisdom. It literally is the beginning of wisdom. It is the rock, the foundation that your life is built upon. That keeps you on a right path. Mercy and love save you, but fear guides you. It's a light to your feet to show you the way to go. It says because we also understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. For what? Our responsibility for what? Our responsibility for this? We work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere. Oh, sorry, I've got. And I hope you know this too. It is to please him. Our responsibility is to please him. It is to please him. My message to you this morning is this. You can have any Christmas you want. You can literally do anything with your life. God tells us that. Literally, the world is our oyster. You can go and you could be the next Richard Branson if you want. You could go and, and be an amazing singer. You could go and, and be a captain of industry. You could go and be the next Mother Teresa. You could do anything you want with your life. Literally anything you want. But you know what I would say the, 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 the most important thing is? Start from the end and work Backwards. You see, what you want, what I want personally, my prayer for my life and for my family and for this church literally is this. See, God says we're going to stand alone. So firstly, I want us all to to stand alone before God for this. But I believe this is going to happen corporately. That we'll stand there before him and we'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That we will hear those words, well done. When we come home, when that marriage is finally complete. Finally, the engagement is over. And we're finally one with God. That we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you make that the goal, and you work backwards from that. You can literally, most things will fit in with that. That's the picture. That's the thing that that, that leads us and guides us home. To be stood there before God. When we enter into eternity. To hear those words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Whatever you do this Christmas. Enjoy the telly. Enjoy the presents. Enjoy visiting people. Enjoy all of those things. You know, the most important thing, the most important thing is that we please him. And the picture of us pleasing him, the picture that he's given us is that, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Keep that picture at the forefront of your mind. Keep looking to it. Make it your goal in life. It'll guide you. It'll lead you. Hezekiah, one of the great kings of old, says this about Hezekiah, says that he handled the distribution throughout all Judah, doing what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. Says in all that he did, in the service of the temple of God and in his efforts to follow God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. And as a result, He was very successful. Make that your goal this Christmas. And I promise you won't be disappointed. Have a great Christmas, everyone. It's coming in the morning, isn't it? Anyone excited? Listen, have a fantastic time. Kids, are you excited for Christmas? Come on, kids. Are you looking forward to it? You're going to have a great time. Parents... Enjoy your kids. Kids, bless your parents. Have a great time. It's been amazing doing 2017 with you this year. Looking forward to the Thanksgiving service next week. We're going to close with a song and Vicky's going to close the meeting. God bless you all. Thank you.